So as a church, we have been going through Galatians now, verse by verse, for two chapters. And overall, to spend a few few weeks as a quick reminder, uh, we saw Paul quickly warn the Galatians at the very beginning about believing a false message about Jesus. And then Paul spent a while defending his apostolic authority and his gospel. And then to end chapter 2, a few weeks ago, we saw Paul use that situation he had with Peter to tell us the true gospel of how we're saved by faith in Christ alone. Which leads us now to chapter 3 this morning. And now here, on the one hand, we're going to see Paul just continue talking about this one true gospel that he's been talking about throughout this whole letter. But also, on the other hand, as we'll see, now in chapter 3, Paul is taking it a step up. And on this, some people who, who study Galatians will point out that in the way that Paul is organizing this whole letter... Chapters 1 and 2, in a certain sense, are almost like a long introduction. Paul's giving a quick warning, then a background on him and the situation. But now, starting here in chapter 3, Paul's getting at the heart of why this letter was ever even written. And it is this issue with how these Galatian churches that he's writing to started to go astray in what they believed was the true message of Jesus. And it's a big deal. And in fact, you can, and you can see some of this in the first couple sentences of chapter 3 there. Because if Galatians 1 and 2 were mainly about Paul defending himself and his apostolic authority, then now he turns to the Galatians in chapter 3 in love, but also sternly because of what's going on. He turns to them and starts chapter 3 with, quote, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In other words, he's turning to them and saying, now with with all of that, with the background of who I am and the situation laid down, now Galatians, let me talk directly to you. You're being foolish. Who's bewitched you? Which then, in a way, is what our passage will be about. And, And those two words are a helpful introduction. Because as you can see, with whatever these Galatians are believing about Jesus and their Christianity, which we will get into that, Paul here makes the statement that they're being foolish and that they're bewitched. And as for us here this morning, this means that as we hear a passage like this from God's word, we want to make sure that we aren't foolish or being bewitched like they were as well. And as for what these words meant, foolish, as we know, essentially just means being wrong, and it's the opposite of wise. And in fact, Paul calls these Galatians foolish twice here in our passage, in verse 1, as you just heard, but also in verse 3, where he starts verse 3 with, are you so foolish? But perhaps even more confusing than that idea of foolish is that idea in verse 1 of who has bewitched you? And this is interesting because this word here for bewitched, this is the only place in the whole New Testament that this word is used. And this word in English can even sound confusing to us. And and as for what it meant, it was a word that was actually used back then somewhat frequently in Greek rhetoric. And it implied thinking in such a way where you were confused about what was true and you were almost like under a spell. And so the idea is that you aren't thinking clearly, you're confused, you're off, you're thinking something is true when it's actually not true. And so as you can see, it's, it's that then that Paul concluded was going on in these churches in Galatia. 
Apparently, they were being foolish in their understanding about Christ and Christian living, and and they were so off concerning what they taught and they believed about Jesus and Christianity that it was almost like they were under a spell. And as for us then, once again, this is what we'll need to be checking ourselves on throughout our time here in God's Word this morning. Because we are, right, just going through God's word as a church. And in essence, this passage now that we're going over this morning is a warning. Right? It's a warning specifically written to these Galatians in history. But since it's in God's word, this is a warning to us. And so our goal this morning is to make sure that in what we believe about Jesus and Christianity and the Christian life, we also aren't foolish and bewitched like these Galatians were. But that all then finally leads us to an outline of how we'll go through this passage together. So we've looked at the very beginning of verse 1, but now to cover verses 1 through 7, all of it, we're just going to have two sections this morning, just two sections. And first, we'll look at what it actually was that these Galatians were foolishly believing. And here we'll see how they believed it and how people and even whole churches and sects of Christianity even believe similarly today. So that'll be our first section. And then second, though, we'll look at what Paul says in contrast, true biblical Christianity actually is and what it entails. And so in some two sections, first, the foolish, bewitched belief about Jesus and Christianity back then and still today, and second, what true Christianity actually is. But that said, let's then begin our first section together. And again, for this, we will be looking at the way these Galatians were believing something foolish. I know people still unfortunately believe similarly today. For this will be in mainly verses 2 through 5. We'll come back to verse 1 later. But here in verses 2 through 5, we'll see Paul use a, a handful of questions to address what was going on back then. And for the sake of the time, we won't, we won't cover each question in equal length. Instead, in order to summarize that everything that Paul's about to say, we're going to categorize what these Galatians believed wrongly under two main things, two main things. And they're almost like two sides to the same coin because the first thing will have to do with how these Galatians saw themselves in their Christianity. And the second thing will have to do with how these Galatians saw God in their Christianity. And so first we'll start in verses 2 through 4 and here we're going to see how the Galatians saw themselves in their Christianity. And as we do this, notice how Paul pits multiple things against each other. Verses 2 through 4. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So there's four questions in those verses. And if you noticed, in all of them, Paul is asking the Galatians something about them. They're all questions that ask about you. Did you or have you or are you? And that's important because this means that here the inspired apostle Paul is asking these professing Christians something about how they viewed themselves and their lives. And he's doing that to try to get at what it is that has bewitched them in their view of themselves. And so the question is, what was it? How how were they foolish and bewitched in how they viewed themselves in their Christianity? Well, to answer that, did you notice that in the most important questions there, there were always two options? 
Right, two options. Verse two, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And then verse three, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Meaning in both of those questions, two things are against each other. In, in, verse, in verse two, it's receiving the Spirit of God by works of the law or by hearing with faith. So Paul is asking them, when you became a Christian and you received God's Spirit, did that happen by following the Old Testament law or by hearing the gospel of Jesus and believing? And of course, the answer to that is by hearing with faith, by hearing the gospel and believing. And and quickly for us, to be honest, the answer to that first question there in verse 2 is usually easiest for most people. Because most professing Christians will say that when they became a Christian, it of course included the spirit and faith. And most likely, we think that's what these teachers in Galatia maybe even were saying as well. And again, that's what most professing Christians will hold and Christian churches will believe. But, as you might have noticed, it's that question in verse 2 that then leads Paul to his more climactic question in verse 3. And this was climactic for the Galatians back then, and it's still the climactic question for us and for any so-called Christian or Christian church. And to see it for yourself, again, the, ver- the question in verse 2 was about first receiving the Spirit, but now in verse 3, the question is, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Meaning the question for all of us who claim to be Christians isn't just, do you believe in Jesus? I mean, almost all Christians say they do, or else they wouldn't be Christians. Instead, the real question is, Once you believe in Jesus, once you say that you've begun by the Spirit, by faith, what then do you make it all about? How then do you think that you will be made more like Christ? How do you think you'll be perfected? Do you think that after you start then, Christianity is all about things like following the Old Testament law or another law or all about your own efforts and works? Or do you think that Christianity still is all about the Spirit and faith and Jesus? Or to say it another way, once you accept Christ, in the way that you view your day-to-day and year-to-year Christianity, there's really two main options that you can believe. Option number one is to sure make faith in Christ the entrance into Christianity, of course. But then after that, To think that Christianity really becomes about our works and rules and laws. Which is what these these professing Christians in Galatia were starting to believe. Or, option two, is making faith the entrance into Christianity by the Spirit. And making the same Spirit and faith in Christ what really defines your Christianity. And Paul's point is that for them and for us... The difference between these two options is huge. It's no matter of mere semantics. This is not an academic discussion or just theology. Instead, you've seen it for yourself now in these verses. Paul, and therefore God through Paul, is being so firm about this. Because this is the difference between true Christianity and mere typical religion. Or as he says in verse 4, it's the difference between meaningfully living and even suffering for the cause of Christ or 
quote, suffering so many things in vain. Meaning it's the, it's the difference between true Christianity or vain, meaningless, typically religious, so-called Christianity. And, and so that's what apparently is going on here. But now to really bring this home to you and me, the question we have to ask now is, okay, but what did this really look like back then? And what does this look like today? And to answer that concerning back then, in brief, we know that this looked like these teachers and then these Galatian believers, yes, of course, accepting Jesus and and understanding that the Spirit was the reason that they came to believe in Jesus. But then, once they started living their Christian lives, what it really became about was their own efforts and their own works and the Old Testament law and less about Jesus and trusting Jesus by the Spirit. Right? Their Christianity became Jesus to enter in, but then it's all about how well I can follow him. Right? Following rules, especially man-made rules, all about obedience, relying on my willpower with Jesus and God's Spirit and the Gospel and daily walking and trusting God, kind of taking a backseat. And now you might hear that and think, man, that's clearly wrong. (laughs) But guess what, right? This happens all the time today, even in the name of Jesus. Individually, people who call themselves Christians believe this. And really, unfortunately, whole denominations and churches in the name of Christ often are like this. Making Jesus the way in, but then making Christianity about our efforts our religiosity, our organization, our rules. And to be really clear, at first as we talk about this, right, we need to be careful to watch out for any pride in our hearts. Right? Because we, we should not be prideful as we think about something like this. Because that in itself is really wrong. Because Christianity is really humbling. But also, as we celebrated last Sunday, Jesus is alive. And he really accomplished his gospel. And there is something we can call true true Christianity. And apparently the Apostle Paul is saying that what these Galatians were thinking about Jesus and, and faith, it was foolish and almost like they were under a spell. All right, so for all of us to make this really practical, a way to check yourself and or to check for any supposed Christian teacher or Christian church, the way to do that is to use this paradigm basically that we're seeing here in Galatians 3. Ask yourself, when, when I think about Christianity or when I think about what that Christian group or that Christian teacher shows is Christianity, is my, is their Christianity mainly about the Spirit producing more and more faith in Jesus? Or is it really that Jesus is kind of the way in and then Christianity becomes mainly about our efforts and our rules and our works? And which is it? Spirit or flesh? Faith in Christ or works? And on this, if you know anything about church history, maybe you're now seeing why was this book of Galatians that refueled this understanding of the gospel 
And this changed the world, especially around 500 years ago. Because over time, what happened in the early church, as we can see here in Galatia, and what happens in decades and centuries of church history, is that people more easily accept the name of Jesus, which is a good thing, believe in Jesus and don't want to go to hell. But then the actual Christianity becomes so much about me or about us or about our organization, our traditions, and especially about what we're doing for God. And and as you hear that, perhaps you can see how prominent that really is. And I mean really is. All in the name of Jesus. Because it's so common to take Jesus as the way in, but then to really think and make it about us, and our church, and our works. It's so easy to say, of course, we begin by the spirit and faith, but then to practically try to be perfected and even reach the world by the flesh. And and now to be clear, the same Paul who wrote this here also does write clearly elsewhere that once we are saved, right, and we follow Jesus Christ, it's true that Jesus by the spirit does produce good works in us. And that is a big part of Christianity. And and so Jesus and his apostles taught that good works are involved in our Christianity. But the big difference still is once you say you begin by the spirit, what then takes center stage? Is it that same spirit producing faith and trust in Jesus still? Or is the Christianity we're believing primarily about rules and our works and doings and efforts? Because the Bible is saying, if that latter is the case, then that is foolish. And it's like being under a spell. That's not it. And why? Well, well, because think about it. When that happens, and if you haven't heard anything much so far this morning, I hope you hear this. When that happens... When Christianity becomes primarily about us and our organization and our following of rules and our works, then guess what Christianity becomes no longer primarily about? Jesus. (laughs) Because in that system, Christianity becomes less about Christ and it becomes more about what I'm doing in my organization, in my church's religion. It becomes, surely, of course I'm saved in Christ and He's God, but really, this is all about me now and about us and about how we follow His rules and about what we can do for Him. Which is not Christ-centered Christianity. That is an us-focused religion. And so that's verses 2 through 4. It's the first side of the coin, if you will, of how these Galatians were thinking. They were essentially making the Christian faith no longer about Christ and faith by the Spirit, but about works done by us in our flesh. Which briefly then does lead to verse 5. And here we'll see the other side of this aspect, or the other aspect of what this issue was with these Galatians. And the first side had to do with how they saw themselves. Now this will have to do with how they saw God. And so now for this, look down at verse 5, Galatians 3, 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So notice, this is slightly different than verses 2 through 4 because the question on verse 5 isn't a do you question like the other ones were. Now it's a does he question. Meaning now Paul isn't talking about how they view themselves, but about how they view God. 
All right, so what's going on here? What is it here that they were foolishly believing about God? Well, it's a little different than verses 2 through 4, but it's still connected because the first side of the coin was them believing that I live my Christian life by my efforts mainly. Now here, it's a wrong belief about how my efforts and my works relate to God. Because Paul's question is, does, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Meaning, does God, God, the living God who gives his spirit to you and who does miracles among you. And just real quickly on that, we won't spend too much time on this, but I do think this shows us that in the very early church, especially as the gospel was first spreading, God was supplying the early church with more frequent miracles to confirm this new gospel. And he can still do so today. But that's Paul's question. Does God do all that, that he's doing, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How, why is God doing that among you? And the answer, of course, is that God does all that not by our works, not because of our works, but as we have faith in him, because we trust him. All right, meaning how God relates to us as Christians, it's still about him, and he can do what he wants, and we trust him. And yet, the issue with these Galatians is that they came to think the opposite. This is so common. They came to think about God in such a way where they thought he did all these things for them because of how well they were doing for him. And even hearing that, you can see how that's connected to verses 2 and 4 we just talked about. And in a nutshell, that in basic is typical works-based religion. Right, because the first side of the coin here was about how, although they were saved by Jesus, now their faith was about their efforts. Now here in verse 5, concerning God, they thought that God blessed them and did amazing things among them, not by faith, but because of their works. And this is typical works-based religion, because if we believe that at all, now not only is our Christianity mainly about us, But incredibly, now we even think God and how he works is mainly about us. (laughs) He acts primarily according to what we're doing. And and that's not just incorrect about God, but but more so, just like before, why, why is that such a big deal? Well, again, because think about it. If that's really all Christianity is, right? If Christianity is, yeah, Jesus dies to save us, but now that we're saved... It's mainly a transaction. It's about how good I'm doing. It's about how God responds to how good I'm doing. If that's the case, then guess what again isn't central or that important in Christianity anymore? Jesus himself. And Jesus' gospel. Instead, it kind of just becomes typical religion. And by the way, this is also part of why all of this is so bewitching. Because now, to bring this full circle, remember, the Bible here is saying that this type of us-centered, works-focused religion isn't just incorrect, but it's foolish, and it's almost like being under a spell. And so why might that be? Well, in essence, it's because we as selfish human beings, we love this works-focused type of religion. (laughs) I mean, it's classic sin downplaying God and making it more about us. 
We, we as human beings, as strange as it may sound, we kind of love this foolish quid pro quo type of religion. Right? We do this for God so that he'll do this for us. Because we like thinking that it's about our merits. We like thinking that we can earn some of it. We like thinking that God is basically paying us back for the good things we do, which, which honestly is crazy. Right? We like thinking that my life and even my Christianity is mainly about me. And so not only is this foolish as it downplays Jesus in Christianity, but this type of religion is bewitching because it brings us into this typical religious self-consumed spell. Even in the name of Christ, but in the end, again, we need to hear that it is foolish. It is bewitching. And biggest of all, again, if this is the case, if our Christianity and it was us or organization really being in the front seat, then who takes the back seat? Jesus and his spirit and his gospel. Which finally leads us now to our second section this morning. So now we know that this works-focused religion is what these Galatians were believing. And that's what we need to watch out for. Because even if we believe that that's not true in our heads, we can fall into that. But that brings us now to consider the opposite of that. It leads us to think of not only how we can avoid that, but what true Christianity actually is. And out of everything we've talked about this morning, it's really here that we need to come back and check ourselves. Because even if we didn't track with everything in our first section, now here we can all come together and admit that each of us on our own, we naturally tend to be more religious in workspace like that than we like to think. We're more like these Galatians than we'd like to think. Because again, we love making it all about us. We love being the center. But for our own good, as you see in our text, God the Father doesn't want that. The Spirit doesn't want that. Jesus doesn't want that. It's foolish. And so the question is, what's the other truer option? What is biblical, true Christianity, if we want to keep calling it that, in contrast to this flesh and works-focused religion. Well, to answer that, now in the second section, we are going to see three truths in our passage which will help us understand true Christianity. Three truths. And the first truth is actually something or someone that we saw come up over and over in verses 2 through 5. And that's the truth or the reality of the Spirit of God. Meaning the first truth in understanding true Christianity is recognizing the centrality of the Spirit of God. And we say this because did you notice in verses 2 through 5, Paul in our last section pitted the Spirit of God multiple times against this works-focused religion. Verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by works of law by hearing with faith? Verse 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And so in each of those questions, the foundational truth is that Christianity rests on the very enablement of the Spirit of God. We receive him at conversion. We begin by him and then continue being perfected by him. We continually are enabled by him. That's true Christianity 101. And in very basic then, this, this means that we ourselves, you want to think about it this way, we ourselves cannot be Christians. We can't be people who worship and follow Christ unless we begin and continue 
by the work of the Holy Spirit. Or to say it even more generally, since the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and he is God himself, this means that foundational to what we believe as Christians is the fact that we need God himself, right, the Spirit of God, to begin us in our Christian lives and to help us in our Christian lives. As Jesus taught himself in John 15, quote, apart from me, Jesus, you can do nothing. And that's why he said right after that that he'd send us the helper to help us people who can't do anything apart from him. And so Jesus did. He sent the helper and the helper is the third person of the Trinity, the very spirit of God. All right, so that's truth number one to true Christianity in our lives and in our texts and it is foundational. Because first, what's true Christianity? It's spirit-enabled. And as you can see in our passage, this is in contrast to the flesh-enabled religion that these Galatians were starting to believe. That then leads to the second truth about true Christianity in our passage. Now for this, we're actually going to be in verses 6 and 7. So remember, uh, that was something we saw in verses 2 through 5. Christianity is spirit-enabled. But now, in verses 6 and 7, Paul goes on and emphasizes something else. So look down at your Bibles, verses 6 through 7. We'll start in verse 5 again just because it's in the middle of a sentence. Verse 5 through 7. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So, so what does Paul bring up in the context of talking about spirit-enabled true Christianity? Or to say it another way, what does the person of the Holy Spirit within us, what does he enable us to do? Well, he enables us to believe, to trust. You can see it for yourself. We as spirit-enabled people, verses 2 through 5, are, quote, those of faith, verse 7. And in fact, it's this aspect of faith, as you might have noticed, that's central to Paul's argument here. And specifically, Paul's point has been that Christianity is about, quote, hearing with faith. And I say that because did you notice that at the end of verse 2, Paul technically pits against each other works of the law and hearing with faith. Meaning it's not just some vague faith, but Christianity is about hearing, hearing God's word and hearing with faith. And the same is true at the end of verse 5. Paul writes how, quote, hearing with faith. And then finally, in his example of Abraham, in verses 6 and 7, it isn't just some random faith that makes Abraham our example. Instead, it's specifically how Abraham believed God. Meaning, God told Abraham something, and Abraham heard it, and he believed it. He heard God's word and he trusted that same God. And so that said, this then shows us that the second truth here of true Christianity is first, the truth is that we're spirit enabled, but now truth number two is true Christianity is about hearing with faith. Meaning we are people who are primarily hearers of God's word, not doers of the law. That's the contrast. We're primarily people who hear and believe and trust what our God says. Which leads to the third and last truth of true Christianity in our passage. And now for this, we're actually going to go back to verse 1. If you want to go back to verse 1. 
And so we've seen that true Christianity is spirit-enabled, not flesh-enabled. It's hearing with faith, not about all our doings and law-keepings. But the final question then is, but what is it then that the Spirit enables us to hear and believe? Right? We know it's God's Word, but, but what is the emphatic and central thing that we're believing that our God has said? And for this, now look down one last time at how Paul started off this whole discussion in chapter 3, verse 1 here. So look down at your Bibles, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So, so what does Paul talk about right after calling the Galatians foolish and bewitched? Well, he talks about the gospel, about how they saw Christ publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, as for what that publicly portrayed phrase means, scholars debate the exact details, but it, but it seems that, that Paul is using figurative language to kind of describe what it was like as these Galatians learned and heard the gospel. It's almost like for us today how we use the word see, S-E-E, to describe something that we understand with our minds. Right? Like, I see that to be true. In a similar way, Paul here seems to be saying that before their eyes, in public, in church probably, they came to see the reality of Christ crucified. They came to understand in public the truth of the gospel, the good news that we're saved by faith in Christ's finished work. And yet, what then did they do? Well, they turned from that spirit-enabled, faith-focused, and Jesus-centered, true Christianity to this flesh-enabled, work-centered religion. And by doing that, Paul's point is they forgot Christ crucified, and they made it all about their own religion. Which means for us then, if we were to sum up these three aspects of true Christianity, it's truth number one, that we are enabled by the very Spirit of God, not by our own flesh. Truth number two, we're primarily people who hear God's word and we trust what God has said. We're not primarily doers. But now, truth number three, in all that, what is the central thing that the Spirit is enabling us to hear and really believe? Well, we're people who keep going back and trusting this gospel of Christ crucified. We're people who, who praise Christ for what he did in our place. We treasure what Christ did for us in history on that cross. And this means that in what we hope and what we rest in throughout our Christian lives, it's not in how good we are or how hard we're working. But instead, we rest in hope in Jesus and how he came, he lived, he died on the cross for us, he rose again, and he's going to come back one day and make everything good and beautiful again. In summary, that, that's true Christianity, those three truths. Right? It is the Spirit of God enabling us to hear and trust the living God and specifically to hear and trust the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified that we find in God's word. And again, just to be clear, it is true that when we live like that, by God's grace, we do then fight sin and live lives of love and produce good works for the glory of God. But again, I hope you hear that what we see in our passage this morning is crucial because if we make our Christianity primarily about things like that and our works and our religion, Jesus gets downplayed and left behind, which therefore makes it not Christianity but just another religion. 
And so our whole passage is basically asking us not to do that. <laughs> right, it's about avoiding this typical foolish, bewitched religion and instead clinging to Jesus. Being people who are enabled by the Spirit to hear, to trust the gospel of Jesus. That's how we start our Christian lives. That's how we continue our Christian lives. Walk by the Spirit, by faith, clinging to the person and work of Jesus. Or in other words, to be very clear, Christianity is mainly and forever about Christ. <laughs> That's true Christianity. So church, that is our passage. We will pick up actually in verse 6 because we're going to cover more about Abraham next time we are in Galatians. But for now, with all that said, the takeaway from our passage is that on the one hand, right, we now need to be careful of this flesh-enabled, works-focused, so-called Christianity. Because that might be popular. As it was back then in Galatia, it was popular, but it's not what Jesus intended. And on the other hand, we instead should happily embrace true Christianity, which is spirit-enabled, which is primarily about hearing God's word and trusting, and which is mainly about what Jesus has done for us. And and so now, as, as we do come to a close... Really, the simplest direct application from all of this, from, for all of us here this morning, is simply to make sure that you're not believing and living out of this false religion that we see here, these Galatians were starting to believe. And again, which is still popular today. And so if you realize, sitting there right now, that you do think that Jesus or Christianity is mainly about morality, or about an organization, or about our works, or about following rules, and less so about Christ, then I do encourage you, again, embrace true Christianity this morning. (laughs) Embrace happily that it isn't that much about you or me, that we don't ever merit God's favor, and that our lives aren't primarily about our works, even though God does use us for his glory. Instead, embrace that this is all really about Jesus about his grace, about his love, and what he's done for sinners like you and me. Or as the Bible says in verse 7, simply embrace that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are not primarily about our doings, but instead we're, quote, those of faith. (laughs) Because one last time, above all, what it means to be a Christian is to trust the living, risen person of Jesus. That is what the Spirit mainly enables us to do. That is what defines our lives. And then, yes, however Jesus does decide to use us while we're here for our short time on this planet, praise be to God, and may he use us for his glory. But in the end, and we'll realize this when we're in glory, in the end, brothers and sisters, Christianity really isn't about our efforts, our works, our law-keeping. That all takes the backseat. Instead, Christianity is about Christ. And so, by the enablement of the Holy Spirit, let's keep believing Jesus' gospel. Let's keep Jesus central in our Christianity. And day in and day out, let's keep trusting him.